0: Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. A U.S. trucker convoy rolling out today heading for Washington, D.C. We hear from truckers involved on why they're joining the protest. As the crisis deepens, Ukraine has imposed a nationwide state of emergency while starting to call up reservists. Yet Putin says in a holiday speech that Russia won't compromise on security. The Secretary of State cancels his meeting with Russia's foreign minister. That's after Moscow recognized Ukrainian separatist regions, and President Biden warns that the Ukraine crisis could hit Americans' wallets. And veterans who served at Fort Ord in California are getting diagnosed with some major health problems. A new investigation reveals pollution may be to blame, sourced from contaminated water on the base. U.S. Trucker Convoy is heading out today from California. They're planning to drive more than 2,500 miles to Washington, D.C. to protest COVID-19 mandates and restrictions. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more.
1: U.S. truck drivers gathered in Adelanto, California Tuesday to form a protest convoy bound for Washington, D.C. It's called the People's Convoy. They're looking to end the state of emergency and the COVID-19 mandates.
2: We expect the, the convoy to grow by the thousands and I would imagine by the time we get to D.C. there will be tens of thousands of people that are involved in this movement by the time we get there.
1: With stops along the way, the drive to Washington is expected to take 11 days and cost thousands of dollars in gas and lost earnings. But the drivers think their cause is worth the sacrifice.
3: My son is uh, going to be 14 in July. Uh, The the mandate shots is is getting kind of personal on on how they want want to be forcing people to do this. And uh, I just saw it as as a time to to stand up.
1: Driver Ron Coleman says they're doing this not just for truckers, they're doing this for everyone.
4: It doesn't matter the color of your skin or your political affiliation or how you identify sexually. None of that matters. Whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, it does not matter. Choice. We have our own choices, and that's what we want back.
1: The People's Convoy is rolling out Wednesday. An organizer told NTD they're working with local governments and police along the way to make sure they're welcome. Meanwhile, another group called Freedom Convoy USA is planning to leave Los Angeles Friday and also head to D.C. Spokesman Kyle Sefchik stated the purpose of the mission in an open message to President Biden.
4: We
3: are asking you to end the state of emergency, end the mandates once and for all. Sir, the world is watching us because they know that if what's happening in Canada happens to us here in the land of the free, then freedom as we know it is gone.
1: Sefchik said they're coming peacefully and they're doing it lawfully and constitutionally. An organizer told the Epoch Times they plan to arrive in Washington on March 1st and hold a rally the same day Biden scheduled to deliver his State of the Union address. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: And we'll have daily on-the-ground coverage of the American trucker's convoy as they travel across the country from California to Washington, D.C., right here on NTD News. Fencing is being put up around the U.S. Capitol again. What will it look like, and will it impact the trucker convoys heading for Washington, D.C.? NTD's Iris Tau has more.
5: Fencing will be reinstalled around the Capitol's grounds as part of ramped-up security. This, as police say they're aware of trucker convoys coming to Washington around the same time as the State of the Union address slated for next week. The fence is the same barrier that surrounded the Capitol for months after January 6 last year. It wasn't removed until July, and in September, it was temporarily reinstalled for a Justice for January 6 rally. Now it's coming back as truckers are heading here.
3: But we want our rights, the cheaper fuel, better existence for our people in this country, more respect for the transportation industry and the guys that are pounding their butt up and down the road every night while people are home sleeping, delivering those goods. The
5: Capitol Police said in a statement last Friday that they are working closely with the Secret Service to plan for Biden's upcoming speech. They said they were still discussing whether or not to install a temporary inner-perimeter fence, but Fox reported this week that it has been confirmed. But Bob Bullis, the organizer of one of the trucker convoys heading to Washington this week, says the fencing has no point.
3: They precipitated and created the problem. But the stupidity that I'm seeing, the idiotic idiots, think we're going to drive a tractor-trailer into the Capitol and go visit Pelosi?
5: Meanwhile, Marine Steele, an organizer for a different convoy, the People's Convoy, tells us this. First, um, we
1: don't know anyone in the Freedom Convoy. The gentleman, Bob Bolas, we have never spoken to him. We don't know who he is, and he has no affiliation with the People's Convoy. Um, And I just wanted to make that clear. Um, Certain he's a patriot as well, but um, we're just a different, a completely different entity.
5: Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao,
0: NTD News. President Joe Biden's State of the Union address is set for March 1st, and you can look to Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds for the Republican response. She'll deliver her speech from Des Moines after Biden wraps up his speech. Reynolds has been a vocal opponent of mask and federal vaccine mandates. The Supreme Court says it will not take up former President Trump's case challenging the disclosure of his White House documents, Tuesday's decision is a formal conclusion to Trump's bid to keep those records away from the House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol breach. The court previously rejected Trump's emergency request to block the National Archives from turning over the materials as the court considered whether to take up the case. The documents Trump was trying to block in court are already in the hands of the committee investigating January 6th. Tuesday's order did not explain why the court was not taking up the case The order means the lower court's decision approving the release of the documents will stand. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has canceled a meeting with his Russian counterpart. That's because Moscow has recognized the Russian-backed separatist regions in eastern Ukraine as independent entities. This comes as Blinken says the Russian invasion is beginning. Blinken's announcement that he won't meet with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov came on Tuesday. The Kremlin recognized the independence of separatist regions Donetsk and Luhansk in Ukraine. That's the reason for Blinken's decision.
6: Last week, I agreed to meet Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov this week, on February 24th, to discuss our country's respective concerns about European security, but only if Russia did not invade Ukraine. Now that we see... The invasion is beginning and Russia has made clear its wholesale rejection uh, of diplomacy. Uh, It does not make sense to go forward with that meeting at this time.
0: Blinken had recently met with the Ukrainian foreign minister in Washington. Blinken, like Biden, said Putin's move to recognize the independence of the Donbas region in Ukraine violates international law. After Ukraine's foreign minister met with Blinken, he said Russia's aggression is leading to what could be the biggest catastrophe since World
6: War II. Russia's economy now and hit it hard. I commend immense efforts of the U.S. diplomacy led by Tony to mobilize the global coalition of allies and partners to stop Russia.
0: The U.S. and European leaders imposed sanctions on Russian banks and oligarchs in response to Russia flexing its military muscle. All this while the White House says it may take aim at Russian financial institutions.
3: And let me be totally clear. No Russian financial institution is safe if the invasion proceeds. We are ready to press a button to take action on the two largest Russian financial institutions, which collectively hold almost 750 billion in assets,
0: or more than half of the total, in the Russian banking system. The sanctions that the U.S. and Europe have already announced are in hopes of preventing a full-scale war in Europe. And the White House says Biden is certainly not going to meet with Putin. This follows a speech by Putin on television in which he tried to cast Ukraine as an illegitimate nation. Ukraine calls that speech propaganda. And Homeland Security says potential cyber attacks from Russia could target U.S. organizations at all levels. The agency issued an advisory saying shields up. It says Russia knows that destroying or disabling critical infrastructure could help what it called Russian objectives. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says U.S. organizations should prepare for potential ransomware attacks, but he says there is no information on specific threats. Meanwhile, the FBI, David Ring, says Russia is a permissive operating environment for cybercriminals. The comments came after Biden announced sanctions against Russia. A cybersecurity official last week said the Biden administration is preparing for potential geopolitical contingencies. Prices at the pump are rising, and the Ukrainian crisis could keep that trend going forward. The national average for a gallon of gas is $3.53, according to AAA. That's a four-cent hike from last week and 90 cents more from this time last year. Analysts say a Russian invasion of its neighboring country would be matched with severe financial sanctions, That would likely lead the Kremlin to withhold oil from the world market, which is already struggling to stay afloat with demand. AAA says Russia trails only the U.S. and Saudi Arabia in oil production, so that move would cause gas prices to increase globally. International sanctions are escalating on Russia after Putin's recognition of two separatist regions in eastern Ukraine. More countries have announced new restrictions following the lead of the U.S. and the European Union.
2: Joining the U.S., Germany and the European Union, more countries are ramping up sanctions on Moscow over its aggression in Ukraine. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said Wednesday that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has effectively begun. He announced the country's first round of sanctions after an emergency meeting with the National Security Committee.
7: In the first tranche, I've asked the foreign, foreign Minister to consider sanctions against persons and entities uh, that have been identified by our like-minded partners and I ex- expect subsequent tranches of sanctions. This is only the start of this process.
2: Specific measures include financial sanctions and travel bans on eight members of the Russian Federation Security Council, transaction bans targeting several Russian banks, and the expansion of existing sanctions on sectors including transport, energy, telecommunications, oil, gas, and mineral reserves. Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida termed Moscow's move an unacceptable violation of Ukrainian sovereignty and international law. The country has also joined the G7 and other international sanctions against Russia. Measures are first, prohibiting the issuance of Russian bonds in Japan, second, freezing the assets of certain Russians, and finally, import and export bans on the two rebel regions. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau unveiled sanctions on the Canadian side as he called on Russia to return to the negotiating table.
3: We will ban Canadians from all financial dealings with the so-called independent states of Luhansk and Donetsk. We will sanction members of the Russian parliament who voted for the illegal decision to recognize these so-called republics. We will ban Canadians from engaging in purchases of Russian sovereign debt. And we will apply additional sanctions on two state-backed Russian banks and prevent any financial dealings
6: with them.
2: On the other side of the Atlantic, British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said Britain will block Russia from selling its sovereign debt in London. The country has already added five small Russian banks and three Russian billionaires to its sanctions list. Trust told the BBC that tougher sanctions would be facing Russia in the event of a full-scale
0: invasion of Ukraine. European Union leaders will hold an emergency summit on Thursday to discuss what to do next over Russia's recognition of the two breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine. The first round of EU sanctions are set to take effect later today. They include blacklisting more politicians and banning trade between the EU and the two breakaway regions. The impact of the first round of sanctions is likely to be limited as Western governments are for now preferring to keep the much larger sanctions packages in reserve should the crisis escalate. Today marks the annual Defender of the Fatherland Day in Russia. Putin said in his holiday speech that Russia is open to diplomacy but won't compromise on its security. In the meantime, Ukraine has shifted to a war footing
4: with a nationwide state of emergency already in place. Russian leader Vladimir Putin attended the country's annual Defender of the Fatherland Day event. In a video address, Putin conveyed to the West his position on the Ukraine issue. Our country is always open for a direct and honest dialogue and ready to search for diplomatic solutions to the most complicated issues. But I want to repeat that Russia's interests and the security of our people are unconditional. He stressed that Russia will continue to strengthen its military forces in the face of what he called a difficult international situation. Putin, along with Russia's defense minister, also took part in a wreath-laying ceremony near the Kremlin wall. MEANWHILE IN UKRAINE, THE COUNTRY HAS OFFICIALLY ENTERED A NATIONWIDE STATE OF EMERGENCY, ANNOUNCED EARLIER BY THE CHIEF OF UKRAINE'S NATIONAL SECURITY AND DEFENSE COUNCIL. REGARDING THE DURATION OF THE STATE OF EMERGENCY, IT WILL LAST FOR 30 DAYS ACCORDING TO THE CURRENT LEGISLATION. IF NEEDED, THE PRESIDENT HAS THE RIGHT TO ISSUE A DECREE TO EXTEND IT FOR ANOTHER 30 DAYS. THIS MEANS THE TOTAL DURATION WILL BE 60 DAYS. A STATE OF EMERGENCY MEANS THERE COULD BE TIGHTER RESTRICTIONS, INCLUDING CURBS ON TRANSPORTATION, additional protection for critical infrastructure and a ban on strikes. The Ukrainian parliament must now vote to enact the decision. President Volodymyr Zelensky Tuesday also proposed to draft reservists between the ages of 18 and 60. The service period is for up to one year. But the president has ruled out a general military mobilization. On top of that, the country has called on all of its estimated three million citizens living in Russia to leave immediately. And a draft law has been approved to allow citizens to carry firearms and act in self-defense. In 1990, the U.S. Army
0: base at Fort Ord in California was added to the Environmental Protection Agency's list of the most polluted places in the nation. Included in that pollution were cancer-causing chemicals found in the base's drinking water and soil. Veterans are now coming out to talk about the issue. Entities Andrew Thomas has more.
3: The Associated Press interviewed nearly two dozen of the veterans who served at the base and identified many more. Julie Aki arrived at Fort Ord in 1996 with a gift for linguistics. She fell ill in Bogota, Colombia in 2016.
1: It would have been nice to know. Um, Would have been nice to have like water filtration or bottled water or not to plant vegetable gardens. I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, bone marrow cancer, which was a complete and total shock. Changed my life forever.
3: Former airplane mechanic Kurt Gandy worked at the installation from the 1970s to the 1990s. They'd pull the central plug, bung plug, on the helicopter and drain all the jet fuel right into the grass and the storm drainage system. He tried to sound the alarm to his supervisors. I knew we were breaking
4: California environmental laws, and when I brought this up to my uh, uh, supervisors and tried to follow the chain of command, as they tell you to do in the Army, everybody, they didn't want to hear it. They
3: were telling me to sit down and shut up, but I didn't know what I was talking about. Among the contaminants at the base were cancer-causing chemicals, including trichlorothylene, also known as the miracle degreaser, TCE. Decades later, several Fort Ord veterans were diagnosed with various cancers, especially rare blood disorders.
6: There's many, many aspects of epidemiology that become very difficult to prove a cause and effect. The tough question, and almost the moral and ethical question is, if you know there is exposure there, that increase risk and you have an adverse outcome, do you really need to prove it?
3: AP's review of public documents shows the Army knew that chemicals had been improperly dumped at Fort Ord for decades. To date, the military has only acknowledged troops' health could have been damaged by drinking contaminated water at a single U.S. base, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And only during a 30-year window between 1953 to 1987, Service members there were found to have higher mortality rates for many cancers, including multiple myeloma and leukemia. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Americans seem to be increasingly vulnerable to money scams. According to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, U.S. consumers lost nearly $6 billion to fraud in 2021. That's up more than 70 percent from the previous year. The most commonly reported cases are so-called imposter fraud, These cases include relationship fraud or people falsely claiming to be government officials or relatives in distress. Online shopping scams are also common, and they caused roughly $400 million in losses. Other complaints relate to theft and other issues, including problems with credit bureaus, banks, and lenders. The IRS warned back in January that it was witnessing a mountain of fraud with non-falsifiable tokens and cryptocurrencies. Meanwhile, surprisingly younger generations have lost more money to fraud last year than the elderly. Among those aged 20 to 29, 41% reported suffering losses and scams, compared to 18% of those aged 70 to 79. But researchers have yet to determine why some people fall victim to fraud, while others recognize the signs. A winter storm stretching across the country has airlines scrapping plans to fly. More than 1,000 U.S. flights were canceled today. And more than 500 flights have already been canceled for Thursday. That's the latest from FlightAware, an aviation tracking website, which says American Airlines is taking the biggest hit. The airline expects the storm to have what it calls a significant impact on its operation. About one-third of all Americans' arrivals and departures in its headquarters in Dallas were canceled today. And nearly a third of departures are already canceled for Thursday. It's been more than two months since the tornado outbreak in Kentucky and the death toll is still rising. It's up to 80 now after a 33-year-old woman died from her injuries. She'd been in the hospital for quite some time and was actually pregnant when the tornado hit, but the baby died a few days after delivery. Governor Andy Beshear says the news marks, quote, yet another tough toll from the most devastating weather event that we have ever experienced. The Florida governor launches a donation portal to help tornado victims after the federal government denies aid. January 16th, tornadoes displaced around 300 Florida residents. At a press conference with tornado victims last week, DeSantis said the disaster affected a vulnerable population. Almost all of the victims were senior citizens. 84% depend on Social Security benefits as their only source of income. The tornadoes destroyed more than 158 homes in two counties. The Federal Emergency Management Agency sent a letter to the governor saying the damage from the storm was not extensive enough to warrant federal response. The governor's office says they are working on an appeal. DeSantis also criticized the response, telling reporters that the Biden administration is doing whatever they can to, quote, thumb their nose at Florida. Two Utah National Guard UH UH-60 Blackhawk helicopters were involved in a training accident Tuesday, crashing near a popular ski resort.
6: What if like 10 soldiers just run out? It crashed!
8: It crashed! Oh no.
0: The Utah National Guard says no crew members or skiers at the Snowbird Ski Resort were injured. Billy Halloran from New Zealand and his friend Jacob Oster were on a ski lift when they saw two choppers crash and captured this video. An official says that as the first aircraft landed, portions of its blade separated and it appears to have struck the second helicopter. A Utah National Guard spokesman said it was routine for pilots to land in difficult areas, but rare for them to crash. This is in preparation for combat and it is done regardless of weather conditions. The accident is under investigation. The U.S. Navy's Mideast-based 5th Fleet announced the launch of a new joint fleet of unmanned drones with allied nations. The drones will patrol large areas of the region's volatile waters as tensions simmer with Iran. Vice Admiral Brad Coopers leads the 5th Fleet. He told the Associated Press that 100 unmanned drones, both sailing and submersible, would dramatically enhance surveillance capacities of the U.S. Navy. This will allow the Navy to keep a close eye on waters critical to the flow of global oil and shipping. In recent years, trade at sea has been targeted as Tehran's nuclear deal with world powers collapsed. A maritime shadow war has played out as oil tankers have been seized by Iranian forces. Suspicious explosions have also struck vessels in the region, including those linked to Israeli and Western firms. Iran has denied involvement in the attacks, despite contrary evidence from the West. Cooper said he hopes the drone force will be operational by the summer of 2023. We're getting new details about masked people attacking workers at a Canadian pipeline facility. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police released this video from the incident last Thursday. About 20 people, some armed with axes, attacked security guards at the Coastal GasLink Work Camp in Houston, British Columbia. They also fired flare guns and smashed the windows of some of the guards' cars. The company says the attackers caused dangerous leaks and millions of dollars in damage. No workers were hurt. Police are still trying to identify the suspects. They're asking anyone with information to contact them. Construction jobs are going to be booming this year. At least that's what Associated Builders and Contractors estimate by looking at the increased demand for housing, the president's infrastructure bill, and people retiring early. We're talking 650,000 workers to meet all that demand. That's a 51% increase over last year. These jobs pay an average of nearly $34 an hour, but they're not easy to fill because there are more regulations and less worker freedom. Mexico's América Movil says it has launched 5G services in 18 Mexican cities. It plans to kick off what regulators say will become the largest 5G commercial network in Latin America. The company plans to spend $1.8 billion on the project. An estimated 40 million people will be connected to Telcel's 5G in the initial phase of the plan. That includes in the capital, Mexico City, and two other major urban hubs. As of now, about 1 million Mexicans are connected to 5G. The company hopes to expand to 120 Mexican cities by the end of the year. Telcel said it used equipment from the Chinese company Huawei to build the network in the south of the country. Huawei operations in the north of the country are limited because of U.S. pressure. Huawei equipment is currently banned in the U.S. over security concerns. The company is seen as potentially facilitating Chinese Communist Party spying. Up next, bids are soaring at a unique auction. The event is called Deep Impact Martian Lunar and Other Rare Meteorites. And among the items up for grabs are pieces of ancient meteorites that fell to Earth. Find out more soon here on NTD News. Ever wonder about owning your own piece of outer space? Meteorites and related items have become a hot commodity for collectors, and a new event at Christie's Auction House is putting some of them in the spotlight. Among the objects for sale, a chunk of Mars is going for as much as $800,000.
3: It's all part of an industry known as the meteorite trade, and bids are already soaring at the auction titled Deep Impact, Martian, Lunar, and other rare meteorites.
8: You might go your whole life without ever touching a meteorite, but there are people who have devoted their entire careers to finding them in the wild. And they often go up for sale, either to merchants or at an auction. So uh, meteorite auctions are not uncommon.
3: The online-only sale of nearly 70 lots ends Wednesday. Each one, either an individual piece or a group of related pieces. Christie's said in a statement those lots include meteorites containing the oldest matter humankind can touch. As for the star item up for grabs, the third largest Mars rock on Earth is expected to fetch top dollar.
6: There was an asteroid impact, a very large asteroid impact on the Martian surface that ejected a lot of material off Mars into an Earth crossing orbit. Uh, Understand, it's not like something hits Mars
0: and immediately something flies over to Earth. It flies into space And slowly, very, very slowly, its orbit perturbs until it becomes an Earth-crossing
6: orbit and possibly millions of years later it takes for it to enter Earth's atmosphere.
3: But the quirkiest item for sale is a doghouse. Its resident, a German shepherd named Rocky, was inside and narrowly escaped when a meteorite crashed through the tin roof in April 2019 in Costa Rica. The impact created a seven-inch hole.
6: This is the meteorite that went through the doghouse. It contains particles of the oldest matter that mankind can touch, those tiny white inclusions. That, like, off-bronze coloring is not really part of the meteorite. That's when it hit the roof and went through the roof
3: of this meteorite, through Rocky's doghouse. A meteor-struck cow in Venezuela in 1972 was not so fortunate. Its remains were butchered by a farmer and eaten. So far, humans have been spared. The first auction opened on February 9th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Every year, crowds of people travel to Yosemite to see a unique firefall. The horsetail waterfall glows a brilliant orange when it's backlit by the sun. Sightseers and photographers flock to Yosemite National Park this time of the year to witness the rare firefall. The phenomenon occurs when the sunlight hits the waterfall at just the right angle and creates the illusion that the falls are glowing as the water pours over the eastern edge of El Capitan Rock. It occurs for two weeks in mid to late February. Some visitors arrive five hours early just to catch the rare sighting. On the same day President Biden issued tough sanctions against Russia, he had another public appearance. This event focused on issues related to the electronics supply chain in the United States. Biden stressed the importance of investing in American production and averting dependence on China.
8: Today, uh, as I mentioned China, China controls most of the global market in these minerals and the fact that we can't build uh, a future that's made in America if we ourselves are dependent on China for the materials that power the products of today and tomorrow.
0: Biden promised to invest $35 million in domestic production of minerals and materials. It's needed for the production of technology devices, including cell phones, computers, vehicles, and home appliances. The Department of Defense also awarded a contract to a Nevada-based company. That was for the construction of a facility to process heavy rare earth elements, which will support both defense and commercial applications. For the president, the spring of a midterm election year is marked by pressing diplomatic and domestic issues. These include not only the prospect of a land war in Europe, but also inflation and other issues at home. Biden acknowledged this troubling overlap in his speech. The U.S.-China relationship is taking another hit this week. Beijing has announced new sanctions on two American defense contractors, but the communist regime isn't giving many details. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has more on the story.
9: The sanctions take aim at aerospace and defense companies Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. That's over the defense contractors' involvement in an arms sale to Taiwan. It's at least a third time the Chinese communist regime has enacted penalties against the two companies. Earlier this month, the Biden administration approved an over $100 million arms sale to Taiwan. The transaction is meant to help Taiwan maintain its air defense missiles so it can defend itself something the U.S. is bound by law to do, in accordance with the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act. A spokesman for China's foreign ministry condemned the deal as undermining China's sovereignty and security interests, and called out the two companies of infringing acts. He explained that the countermeasures were taken according to the country's new anti-foreign sanctions law, but didn't elaborate on when and in what way the measures would be enforced. Beijing regards self-ruled island as a province of China and has been sharply critical of all U.S. arms sales to the island. In 2019 and 2020, China announced similar action toward Lockheed and Raytheon, but Beijing never gave details about what those sanctions were or how they would be enforced. The United States does not sell weapons to China. What's more, Beijing has been sending more and more military aircraft to fly around Taiwan in recent years. That intimidation tactic is coupled with attempts to use economic power to coerce other countries
0: to cut ties with Taiwan. Now let's move over to Asia's pandemic front. With the UK announcing an end to all restrictions, Hong Kong is taking the opposite approach and stepping up preventative measures against the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19. Let's take a look at what's coming.
6: The city is following Beijing's lead by adopting China's zero-cases policy. The plan seeks to eliminate all infections inside the region rather than adapting to living with the virus like many other countries have opted to. The financial hub will roll out a new virus testing mandate starting mid-March. Under it, each of Hong Kong's 7.4 million residents would need to get tested three times. One million tests are set to be completed per day. Virus spread has become more of an issue in the city this month, with daily infections having risen more than 60-fold since February 1st. Researchers at the University of Hong Kong originally predicted new infections could peak at just under 30,000 a day next month. But they updated that prediction just under two weeks ago, raising it six times higher to a staggering 180,000 per day. Right now, the city is reporting thousands of new cases each day, and the local health care system is already overwhelmed. With hospital beds in short supply, a number of patients, including the elderly, have been left lying on cots outside hospital buildings. A nurse working on the front line says some staff are angry at the lack of preparation. David Chan is a nurse and the chairperson of the Hospital Authority Employees Alliance.
5: None of the hospitals had any plans in place. The hospital authority had not provided any instructions for how to handle it if cases were to escalate.
6: In recent days, the city's hospitals have moved most patients indoors. But Chan says the system remains overburdened. But
5: now we've been asked to place them all indoors. But you're just moving the problem from outdoors to indoors. So the situation we are facing is that many of the confirmed cases are now placed into ordinary wards.
6: The city's chief executive, Carrie Lam, said Beijing would step in to help and build a temporary hospital. Despite Hong Kong's zero-case goal, authorities in the financial hub aren't considering a citywide lockdown, unlike many areas in mainland China, at least not at the moment. Hong Kong is the most densely populated city on earth with nearly 68 and a half thousand people per square mile. It's three times denser than New York City, four and a half times denser than Toronto, and nine times denser than Los Angeles. To cope with the lack of space, the majority of Hong Kong's residents live in high-rise apartment blocks.
0: Still to come, a robot that can make cheese fondue on its own. A Swiss tech company will present this new invention at the Paris Agriculture Fair later this week. A sunflower crop could signal the future of farming. A farm in Cambuya, southwest of Toowoomba, Queensland, is planting the sunflowers entirely by drone. All that and more in just a minute. The clone of a tree said to have given Isaac Newton inspiration fell down in a storm. The tree is legendary for helping Newton develop his theory of gravitivity. The clone was planted in 1954 at Cambridge University. The tree stood in the university's botanic garden. The original tree stood in Newton's childhood home in a different part of England. The university has two more similar clones in its collection. All the clones were developed with grafting techniques. The next clone will be planted in a different part of the garden. A series of three powerful storms blew through the UK in the span of a week, leading to the deaths of three people and leaving thousands without power in England and Scotland. The second of the storms is responsible for killing the Newton tree clone. The Paris International Agriculture Fair will open on Saturday the 26th, and one of the inventions you can expect to see is a robot that can make its own fondue using wine and cheese. Let's take a look.
10: A startup tech company in Switzerland called Workshop 4.0 will present its fondue-making robot called BooBot for the first time. The robot can remove the crust from a block of cheese and grate it into a pot. It then pours wine into the container, heats, stirs, and seasons the mixture, and dips morsels of bread on skewers into the fondue. The Swiss tech team made almost every part of the robot.
8: These little screws that we see in the video, they come from a 10-foot long bar that we cut and modified so it could do the work that we needed to do. This is what's extraordinary in this project. We don't have a product that was pre-made. We have something here that has never been done at this scale and everything was invented. Everything was a challenge in truth.
10: The project manager said it took close to nine months to create the pieces and code the robots program. The team doesn't plan to sell or produce the robot on a larger
8: scale. The idea of the project is to show that Switzerland can be close to its tradition, but also to technology. So the fact that we combine this to fondue or to raclette or to rubriclette, these are elements that easily make people talk, and they are easily remembered. So it's good in terms of marketing.
10: The robot is not entirely autonomous. The operator needs to intervene at some point to stop it from mixing the fondue because the robot can't see what it's doing. And the team says the most difficult part was building the cheese grippers.
8: We are asking you to take cheeses that changes each time. It doesn't have the same size or the same shape, and it's never flat. So it's that part that was challenging, to make organic and mechanic work together, to have something vague enough that the organic can be there. That was very hard because the robot is extremely precise.
10: The company will transport the robot to Paris by bus. After the agricultural fair, the robot will also participate in the Swiss Fondue Festival which will take place in November.
0: The world's largest luxury brand Louis Vuitton is growing rapidly. The company is opening two new factories in France making leather goods. The new factories mean Louis Vuitton now has 20 production sites in France. The luxury brand plans to ramp up its production in its home country. Two more new sites are scheduled to open in France before the end of the year. Booming demand for European fashion and accessories mean Louis Vuitton is able to sell more products. Craftsmen often have to make products that are on a waiting list. French President Emmanuel Macron has said that the luxury fashion industry has grown to become the country's biggest exporter last year. Louis Vuitton also has two production sites in California and one in Texas, as well as sites in Italy and Spain. Dubai International Airport is the world's busiest airport for the eighth year in a row. According to Dubai Airport's, more than 29 million passengers use the airport in 2021. That's a 12% increase from the year before. Despite pandemic uncertainties impacting global travel, the airport returned to full operation last year. The airport expects a significant increase in traffic in 2022. It said if current trends continue, it forecasts more than 55 million passengers by the end of this year. A farm in Queensland, Australia is home to a special crop of flowers, the first ever sunflower crop planted completely by drone. The experiment is now in full bloom and it's drawing in tourists. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the details.
3: This sunflower crop could signal the future of farming. This farm in Australia's Cambuya, Queensland is planting the sunflowers entirely by drone.
4: This sunflower crop, to the best of our knowledge, uh, is the first sunflower crop planted entirely by drone. Uh, so a big agricultural drone that we operate commercially uh, spread the seeds for this crop.
3: The technique is already used for crops like barley, lucerne, and wheat. But many were skeptical about whether it would work for sunflowers. Drone pilot Roger Woods explains the process took several attempts to get right.
4: Sunflowers need to have fairly consistent spacing uh, to grow correctly, and they also normally get incorporated quite accurately. So, these were some of the challenges that we had to overcome whilst planting them by drone.
3: And the result is stunning locals and tourists, providing a picture perfect backdrop for photographers.
1: Typically they are planted on the side of highways, which means people are often parking in dangerous situations or trespassing in some cases onto farmers' private property, which is why we decided to open the fields up so the public can walk right through the fields here, take beautiful photos.
3: Farmers say the technique is less invasive than traditional planting methods by creating less soil disturbance, and they're hopeful other growers will soon adopt the technology. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: On today's health segment, we're going to look at small things you can do to feel a little happier. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body.
7: Could increasing your happiness and life satisfaction help you to steer clear of chronic illness? It's hard to say. There is evidence that people who describe themselves as happy seem to have fewer health problems but having fewer health problems may boost happiness. In any event, happiness isn't static. It's possible to make yourself happy and increase happiness to potentially protect yourself from various illnesses. Here are seven ways to boost your overall happiness and outlook. Number one, remain connected. Data suggests that there's a strong link between happiness and close relationships with family and friends. Emotional stimulation is a very effective mood booster. Number two, volunteer. Getting involved in causes that mean something to you is another way to boost happiness. Number three, perform little random acts of kindness. Little kind acts like asking somebody how their day is going, buying them a coffee or complimenting someone can boost happiness. Number four, have some fun. Revisiting childhood through various activities, movies, or music can also help boost happiness. Pick up a hobby doing something you enjoyed in youth. Number five, buy time. There is data to suggest that people who spent money on time-saving purchases, such as meal prep kits or other household chores instead of material goods had greater life satisfaction. Number six, hang with happy people. Happiness can be contagious. If your social network is happy, it's better for your own joy. But get this if you start boosting the joy in your social networks, it can spread. Number seven, try meditation practices like Tai Chi or Falun Gong for relaxation and contemplation. Practitioners often share about enhanced well being and overall happiness. Other ways to boost happiness include practicing gratitude, breaking up routine, spending more time outdoors, and making fewer decisions. Oh, and I forgot to mention: try decluttering your home. That's happiness and satisfaction rolled into one.
0: Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at six thirty Eastern in New York City. I'm Kevin Hogan.